A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. You are named forever. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you. While you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for, such as they had not heard of from of old. No ear has heard, no eye ever seen, any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him. Would that you might meet us doing right, that we were mindful of you in our ways. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All our good deeds are like polluted rags. We have all withered like leaves, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth. Rouse your power and come to save us. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted, the Son of Man whom you yourself made strong. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. May your help be with the man of your right hand, with the Son of Man whom you yourself made strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life, and we will call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus. 
that in him you were enriched in every way, with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you were not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and by him you were called to the fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or at cock-crow, or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. The Gospel of the Lord. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. It may be hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that we are on the first Sunday of Advent, that Christmas is literally less than a month away for all practical purposes. How is it that time seemingly has quickened? When I was a young person, and I used to complain about how slow things were moving, 
But then when I would talk and I would complain to my grandparents about that, and they would say, slow, time is moving so quickly. And now that I have gotten a little bit further along on this journey of life in this world as we know it, which as we know it is passing away, I can sense now that there is indeed a rapid passage of time, or it seems to be moving very quickly. And so we are given words today that cry for the Lord's intervention, that cry for the Lord to do something dramatic, to confirm his identity, to confirm his care, his regard for us, and not just for us, his chosen, but for the whole of the creation. Isaiah, the prophet, whom we will hear very much throughout this Advent season, is living 700 years before the Advent, which the term Advent is from the Latin Adventus, Adventus. It means a coming, an arrival. And so he was living 700 years before, but what has happened, they are coming out of the throes of the consequences of the infidelity to the covenant of God. Everything is in total disarray, total decimation. They are returning to their homeland, to Jerusalem, and it's just, it's, it's destroyed. There's rubble. And we hear the entirety of the, the reading is really a heartfelt prayer and appeal to God on behalf of the entire people. And Isaiah is speaking and appealing to God who is justifiably angry. And he acknowledges we are sinful. Our deeds are like polluted rags. And yet I beg of you, rend the heavens, tear it open, come down, be amongst us. He's not just looking for a savior, a salvation. He wants, he's begging God to be, to journey with, to be amongst them in these times. And what we see unfolding in this reading, in this writing today, is an ongoing appeal for this. Psalm 80, the responsorial psalm, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. Hopefully, as we have just concluded journeying with Jesus throughout the entirety of his life as we've come to know it, through the incarnation, his growing, his coming into his own, establishing the reign of God through word and mighty deeds, we are able to recognize how God truly did respond to the prayer of the prophet Isaiah and how he continues to respond to our heart's yearning our desires, the ache that all of us have to have that sense of absolute fulfillment. We, 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 it's a tiring thing. It's, an, it's, it's very exhausting to have to contend with this tension of the already and the not yet. I remember in, on a retreat one time, the priest who was sharing with us was Father Ronald Rollheiser, an oblate of Mary Immaculate. He's based in, in Canada. And he was sharing in one of the conferences 
one of his very close priest friends was instructing. He was a professor at the seminary, and it was the moral theology class. And one of the seminarians thought he'd be cute and ask a question that would startle and shock the professor. So he asked the professor, he says, he asked the priest, he says, just out of the blue, not, 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 not have nothing to do with the topic he was teaching. He says, Father, do you masturbate? And everybody, all the seminarians just went silent. And then the priest closed his book. And he says, ordinarily, I would not answer. I would not entertain such a question. But because it gives me an opportunity to give us insight and focus on the reality of the, of the role and the mission of the disciple in Christ, I'm going to address your question. He says, yes, and I'll tell it to you like this. When I do, I find that I'm not as effective, I'm not as uh, as faithful as a, a, a disciple, a priest of the Christ. But when I don't, I'm more aware of myself, my limitations, and the great privilege I have to participate in the one who has loved us and given himself for us from the beginning. And he says, the reality of it is this, gentlemen, we all carry the cross and we all grow weary of dealing with the tension of that cross. And when we lay it down, it's just the reality of us recognizing our limitations. We feel our need. We feel our, we are acutely aware of our utter powerlessness to save ourselves. The season of Advent, beloved, is giving us an opportunity to get back to the basics, the foundation of everything. There's not a person in here who isn't aware that we are all powerless in the face of what is happening in this world, what is happening, and I'm not just talking about globally, internationally, the world that we have to contend with within ourselves our own sphere of influence, we all come up against some circumstance, some situation that moves our hearts to cry out and acknowledge, hopefully, what we hear Isaiah saying, Lord, why are you allowing this to be? Why do I feel so downcast and downtrodden? Nothing seems to make sense anymore. Show me a sign. Show us the signs that we heard of in the past when you, you came down on the mountain and lightning and so forth. Shake the earth. Shake me out of my lethargy. Open my eyes that I might see you as you are. This is the type of prayer that is born out of the experience of what our ancestors were going through and how God over time came as he did in the fullness of time, but how did he come? In obscurity. It wasn't fantastical. It wasn't signs and wonders in the sky. The first coming was hardly perceptible to the extent that the people didn't even recognize him as the God-man. But yet he is, he was, and he is yet to come. 
So Holy Mother Church, in her wisdom, God in his wisdom, has inspired the church to set these readings before us in a way that can sometimes seem confusing. How are we anticipating we're looking to commemorate the first coming in history, but yet we're being given readings about the end? Because that is the context of today's gospel. It's the parousia, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in great glory. How many of us will be alive when that event takes place? God alone knows. But what we're being told in the light of what has been is for our own good. For just as things seem so totally desperate and lost, just when it seemed as if all was gone, when it was darkest, it was then that the light entered the world as dark as it was, and that darkness did not consume it. It did not overcome it, and it spread in a manner that God knew was best for the people then and that he knows is best for the people now. Think about the words of, of exhortation Jesus is saying. Be watchful, be alert. It will be like a, a man who goes on a journey, traveling abroad, leaving in charge his servants, each with a particular responsibility, one who will have to be maintaining watch at the gate. Do not let the master return while you are sleeping. And yet we can see, hopefully, as we look forward, because this is the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, which is only 16 chapters long. This is the last time Jesus speaks in Mark's gospel. From this point forward, it's the passion. He, he brings us into the passion. And what do we see leading up to his death on the cross in, in Mark's gospel? We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in his great struggle with having to let go of the humanity and the relationships that he has established for the Father's glory and the kingdom to be realized. And in that, he's struggling. And he goes after telling them, please stay, watch, and pray with me. What did he discover? They are sleeping overwhelmed with grief, with sorrow. And so now it's for us to consider, in the light of everything that has been, all that we have been gifted with, did you catch what St. Paul says today in his epistle to the Corinthians? I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus that in him you were enriched in every way with all discourse and all knowledge as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you so that you were not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end. The Lord is calling us to realize that we have everything that we need in order to be alert, to stay watchful. Not so much for the second coming. Yes, that is what we anticipate. But how do we hone our spiritual senses? How do we recommit ourselves to our baptismal promises? How do we stir into a, a, a flame that spirit of love that was poured into our hearts and confirmed in confirmation? How do we awaken ourselves and become more acutely aware of the movement of God, of the movement of Jesus in this time of mystery? Yes, all three are in play. 
We're commemorating, we're looking forward to commemorating the first coming in history. We look towards the, the coming in glory at the end of the age, of the ages, and we are engaging, experiencing Jesus in the mystery of word and sacrament. This takes a great deal of energy. It takes a great deal of commitment, of fidelity. And so we are being told to watch and to pray. What he's saying to us, he's saying to all, this is a universal call. When he comes again in great glory, it will not be in obscurity. It will be visible to one and all. It will be a cosmic event. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, the earth quaked, tombs were opened, there were dramatic things happening. That will pale in comparison to what happens when he comes again in great glory. We are the charges, we are the servants that he's placed in positions to continue to cultivate the dynamics of the kingdom of God which is at hand. It's unfolding. This is the time. In the announcements I mentioned about the presentations on Thursdays of each week of Advent, this first week, this coming Thursday, 6 o'clock p.m., refreshments beforehand from, from 5.30 to 6, and then we'll have the Vigil Mass of the Immaculate Conception. What a wonderful way to get yourself and your family on point. Attending to the Word of God, being open and responsive to how God has moved and continues to move taking some passage of Scripture, maybe something strikes you in your meditations as you hear the Word of God week in and week out. Take it, put it on a post-it note, keep it in where you can see it every day. Let it become a mantra for you, something that you hold on to. Doing a decade of the rosary here and there, I'm telling you right now, I'm doing so much effective prayer now that this traffic is in, in, in shambles on Bell Chase Highway. I'm saving souls left and right. I know I am, not me, but the Lord, but I'm, I'm being a happy vehicle for Him. It's, it makes so much, it, it's so much more bearable than just getting into the, you know, getting up, riding up on somebody, you know, as if that's going to change anything. They get up all on top of you like, is that's going to make the car? You can't go in. What are you going to do, ride on top of me, go over me? What do you want to do? And yet that's kind of how you feel. Yesterday afternoon, following the Mass, one of the parishioners shared with me, they said, Father, you know, golly, the week was so terrible. Today was just such a such a time, and they said, but as soon as I entered, soon as I entered the church, the building, I felt calm. I felt peace. And of course, after celebrating the Holy Mass, there was this reestablishing, this reorientation of their better senses, of their mind and their heart with the Lord. This is our call. Let us reclaim the time that God has gifted us with, this Advent, this time of his coming among us in mystery, so as to truly recognize his fidelity to what he promised at the beginning in the fullness of time and that he is faithful to fulfill what will happen at the end of the ages. But we cannot let our guards down because each one of us can never know when he will come to us personally and say, it's time. Come, come home with me. We want to be ready. We have everything that we need. This is a time of no beginnings. It is a time to be watchful, to be alert, 
It is the time that the Lord will show us his love and renew the gift of his salvation in the word, in the sacrament of the altar that we now turn our hearts to. God love you.